Hey there, tall, friendly, atheist dad. Hey, you're the man, and thanks for letting me hop on your show to talk a little bit about my podcast and what I'm doing, and allow to give me an opportunity to talk to some of your listeners. Well, guys, if you're listening to this, well, hello, heathens. Well, my name, I'm the skeptical ghost heathen, and my show is called The History of Religions and Their Gods. Now, let me ask you something. If you're something like me, do you enjoy scriptural criticism and the dark, evil history that lurks behind the cross? The flimsy cross made of balsa wood called Christianity? Well, I do, and I talk about it a lot. And I talk about it over four seasons. And I've got about 30,000 people across the globe that are listening to the show now, and we talk about it day in and day out. And I would love to talk about it with you as well. If you get a chance, check it out. The History of Religions and Their Gods. Hey guys, this is Justin from The Prince of Memegypt. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at The Prince of Memegypt and on Twitter at Internet Moses. You're listening to Damien the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad on the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad podcast, guaranteed to be gluten-free. Hello, my name is Damien, the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad, and host of the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. And this episode is a Tall Friendly Atheist Dad's responses to Braxton Hunter's 10 Questions for Atheists in 2021. Braxton Hunter from Trinity Radio is probably my favorite high-profile Christian voice going around today. So I make this response episode with much sincerity and appreciation for the guy. My only problem with Braxton Hunter's video asking 10 questions is that the question presented on the screen asks one thing, but then his mouth asks another sometimes much wordier version of the question on the screen, which then sometimes ends up being slightly different or a lot deeper. So in light of that, for the sake of brevity, I will both present and answer the short form of the questions asked. But anyway, here we go. 10 questions for atheists in 2021. Answered by an atheist. If you have a deconversion story from any world religion, would you mind sharing that story? I was a teenage convert, and I believed for about 20 years. Then a personal crisis forced me to reconsider the God question. When I investigated the God question as honestly and as analytically as possible, I found that there wasn't a coherent, concrete, and positive definition of what deities are, that most definitions of deities relied on gaps in our current knowledge, and that the best proof of God and of deities were philosophical, not scientific. So, in short, 
I couldn't prove God existed outside of my belief in him. Is there anything that Christian apologists or philosophers bring that you actually do consider to be good evidence for God? The short but qualified answer is no. I don't know what a deity is, and no one I have interacted with has provided a testable definition of what a deity is. So I can't consider evidence for it. If an apologist could give me a positive, concrete, and testable definition, which I could then independently verify, then I would happily reconsider my position. Some of the origin of life questions, though, sometimes do make me consider the possibility of an intelligence having monkeyed with at least some aspects of our origins of life. But having said that, it is a giant leap from you can't tell me how life began to therefore God, definitely the God of the Bible, and to the arrogant exclusion of every other one of those false deities and false religious beliefs. That's the closest I will get, and even then I feel I'm being overly generous. Dogs, cats, both or neither? Both. The derpier the better. Did Jesus exist as a single historical individual? And if so, how reasonable do you think it is for people to hold the position that Jesus did not exist? I'm not sure. And the data we have at the moment is unconvincing. I believe that people believed in an historical figure, but that doesn't tell me the historical figure existed. From the data we have, the answer isn't anywhere as clear-cut as it is for someone like Caesar, Tiberius, Alexander the Great, and other contemporaries. I'm not saying the guy behind the gospel stories did exist, but I'm also not yet convinced that minimal mythicism is the best explanation for the data we do have. And how reasonable? Well, it depends what position you have on the matter. Academically, the Achaia S. Roman Pisso, Joseph Atwill ideas don't hold water. At the moment, Richard Carrier makes the best academic argument so far for the mythicist position, and the fact that he has got pro-mythicist material past peer review is a great sign. Of your Christian friends and family members, which one would stand the best chance of convincing you or persuading you than the others? Even if you think none of them stand a chance, uh, some stand more of a chance than others, right? Who would that be and why? I'd honestly have to say that the closest I could get to believing in deities would be a form of abstract deism. And in that aspect, a guy who I interact with called Pimp Deus Bryant who's a fairly cool deist tweeter, is the closest. For me, theistic arguments don't hold any water because they rely either on logical fallacies, bad methodologies, or spurious accusations of logical fallacies against those who are being intellectually honest. What's your favorite film or television series? At the moment, Alone and... Dark Side of the Ring are my jam. 
and I really want to get stuck into season two of The Witcher. For film, in recent memory, I've been consuming a lot of horror films on Netflix, and the best one I've recently seen is No One Gets Out Alive. Contingency arguments for God's existence can be framed in a number of ways, obviously, but pick one, and what's your favorite response to this sort of contingency argument? There are many contingency arguments, but in short, contingency arguments are basically why is there something rather than nothing? And to that, I have three typical responses. A. Why can't contingency arguments point to Allah or Marduk or universe-creating pixies? Why does it have to point to God, specifically to the God of the Bible, and to the arrogant exclusion of deities from all other religions? B. Just because we don't comprehensively understand how the universe came to be does not point to God. It just points to a gap in our knowledge. To say, we don't know why there is something rather than nothing, therefore God, is literally a God of the gaps argument. And C. Looking at the universe, humans inhabit only the outer surface of a minor rocky planet of a minor yellow star somewhere down the back of the universe. The rest of the universe is a radiation-filled vacuum that would suffocate us a nanosecond before it poisons us. In short, planet Earth is protecting us from the universe. If this universe was created by a deity, that deity is incredibly inefficient and doesn't like humans. On your understanding of Christianity, what does it take for a person to become a Christian and experience everlasting life? Firstly, I don't believe there is everlasting life. Souls don't exist, and every mechanism proposed to explain how humans could have eternal life rely on magic, which is not a good explanation. And second, I think people become Christians because they like the idea of being blessed in this life and for the hope of things to be rectified in the next. How rational and how justified that belief is in the face of the evidence is another question. But every time a Christian says that they converted because they looked at the evidence, they either didn't look at the evidence or they did but applied a bad methodology. Whether you think anything in the Bible is true or not, do you think that the Bible, or any passage in the Bible, seems to teach eternal conscious suffering in hell? Not explicitly. The idea of hell as eternal conscious torment and suffering is a bit like the Trinity in that there aren't many verses that explicitly support it, but it can be reached by extrapolating enough verses and tying them together. The three closest references are Gehenna, the lake of fire, and the darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I liken it to the Trinity, in that the Bible doesn't explicitly mention the Trinity, but some people feel they can draw an inference to it. But I do believe that, as per Revelation, that there is a place called 
or is going to be a place called the Lake of Fire, where Satan and his followers will be sent after the final battle. And nothing in the Bible I've read would preclude people from being thrown into that lake of fire for eternity along with Satan and his followers as a punishment for being on the losing side of the battle. What do you think is the most dangerous or problematic issue that theologically conservative Christians hold to? For me, it is creationism. And a very close second is presuppositional apologetics. Both of these are anti-intellectual frameworks that seek to reinforce a preconceived theological position. It's more telling us what to think rather than how to think. We need to be teaching people both straight facts about the world around us and also critical thinking skills. Without both good data and good methodology, we are intellectually shooting ourselves in the foot. And as a third, I'll also mention the anti-vax position, which, while not explicitly religious, seems to be favoured very strongly by evangelicals, and in some church groups, threatening to disfellowship people for either wearing masks or getting vaccinated is completely the wrong message. So there you go, a tall-friendly atheist dad's responses to Braxton Hunter's 10 more questions for atheists. Let me know what you thought by heading over to Twitter at TFADpod, facebook.com forward slash TFADpod, or check out the website www.tallfriendlyatheistdad.com. Until next time, stay safe. See ya.